on the surface, the needs of uh, a high-level executive, an Olympic sprinter, uh, a power lifter, a weekend warrior who runs for fun, and a diabetic, those might look extraordinarily different. And to some degree, they are. Mm -hmm. But there are some things that are sort of in the center that are underlying principles that have to be addressed just because the group or the smaller population you're talking about ultimately belong to the human family. And at the center of that, we find breathing. Welcome to the Off-Ball Podcast. My name is Martin Reeder. I'm a 2012 beach volleyball Olympian, Nike trainer, and leader of the off-ball movement. Here at Off-Ball Athlete, we talk about what you can do to impact the outcome of the game and outcome of life when you do not have the ball. And today's topic of conversation is going to be breath work. We have Rob Wilson, leader of the Art of Breath, who is going to talk to us about some incredible, incredible work on how to improve your health, improve your performance, improve your mind, and access a level of human you didn't even know existed. I've been following him and his partner in Art of Breath, Brian McKenzie, for quite some time, and I respect the hell out of these guys. They are truly tapped in, and they're leading a new level of education for breath work that I think is going to untap a ton of potential for all people who dive in. Not only are we talking potential, we're also talking health. This is low-hanging fruit, ladies and gentlemen. We all breathe. Therefore, if you breathe, you got something to gain from listening to this episode. I look forward to bringing Rob and his Art of Breath to Toronto at some point in time in August, so stay tuned for that. We'll be doing some seminar work both in high performance and for the general population. But until then, enjoy this episode as we dive into breath work. Welcome, everybody, to the Off Ball Podcast. Today's guest is Rob Wilson. We have the co-founder of The Art of Breath, owner of CrossFit Virginia Beach, formerly a Mobility Wad staff for my boy Kelly Starrett, who I don't know, but I can't wait to, and then Power Speed Endurance Breathe and Tactical Head Coach, and also devastatingly handsome human being, Rob. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Martin. I appreciate that very much. Thank you for having me. No, thanks for giving me your time. You're busy. You just got back from Altus, if I know correctly. Is that where you're at? Yes, sir. So uh, for those who are not familiar, Altus is... Uh, uh, track and field specialty uh, coaching provider. Basically, they provide uh, strength and conditioning for uh, Olympians, national level athletes in the U.S. And then also, uh, actually, they do international. So that's that's not true. So they have, when we were there, there were track and field athletes from Canada, U.S., U.K., and, and and more. I, I can't remember all of them. There was a there was a lot of young kids there uh, training. Really nice group of people. Super high level uh, thinking and coaching going on at Altus. Um, if you're a coach or 
you're a some kind of movement teacher or or sport thinker in human performance, then you absolutely should be paying attention to what's going on at, at, at Altus. It was a it was an amazing week. Um, I've wanted to go there for years to to learn and to have an opportunity to go there and speak uh, about some of the concepts that we're working with was was pretty surreal at first, especially. Mm-hmm. And then uh, as I got chatting with with some of the coaches that were around, um, I, I felt. I felt quite at home there. It was a very welcoming experience, and uh, I'm already I'm excited to have a chance to go back sometime. I hope. Nice man. Well, for the Canadian listeners, we have a fairly well known Canadian athlete that trains down there by the name of Andre de Grasse. Did he fly by you at any point in time while you're down there? He did actually. He was on the track most of the days uh, that I was down there. Um, word on the streets was he's pretty fast. That is accurate. <laughs> he is he is pretty fast um so uh i didn't really you know i didn't chat with him or anything like that he's focused on what he's doing um although i did partake in so at altus they have what they call a regen session which is short for regeneration Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like active their active recovery day and uh last week on their first one of the week it was on wednesday and they left the track after about two hours of pretty intense training and uh, they went they went from the field into um, into the strength and conditioning area. They had them out, and they were doing their regen stuff. And I said, you know, I really don't. It's an open learning experience. So when you're a coach and you're there, you can basically talk to anybody on staff. You can walk around, ask questions. You can talk to the athletes. Hey, what's going on with you? What do you do? How are you feeling? Anything. It's open. But I thought I don't really want to stand here on the sidelines and just watch so i went out onto the i was like i grabbed the coach and i was like hey i'm gonna jump in is that cool (laughs) and he was like yeah and and plus i had flown the day before and i was stiff and i hate feeling that way i was like i gotta move around so i just jumped in session with him and so you know it's like uh andre de grasse and amir webb and like these world-class sprinters and so i just i had uh i had jeans on and they were like how are you doing this in jeans I said four way stretch, four-way baby. Stretch, yeah. Four way stretch target. You gotta you gotta get it, y'all. I was like, y'all need to give up your Nike sponsorship. You need to give up your Puma sponsorship. Get on this four way stretch. They were like, Hell no. So it was fun. There it's really cool, you know. It, it's kind of funny because it's a lot of kids, you know. They're young. Mm-hmm. Most of them are, are pretty young. So uh but a really nice group of people all around, athletes and coaches, and, and we had a really great time. Right on. Well all give a little context as to why you were there. But the reason why you and I know each other is because I reached out to you for the Art of Breath seminar and what you're doing with Breathwork. So weaving it into what you were talking about at Altus, but also what you got going on within the Art of Breathing, Art of Breath, uh, can you share a little bit about what you're cooking up and, and how you're changing some lives and some games? Yeah, sure. So, you know, when we think about health and fitness and human performance kind of across a, a spectrum of, of health related behavior, right? All, anything from all the way from like the avoidance of disease patterns all the way to the other end, which is elite sport performance or, or military performance uh, or, or in some cases, corporate performance. When we look at that, that large spectrum, there are some pretty strong commonalities actually. And, and most of those center around being human right? That human beings have human problems. (laughs) And 
for us and the way that we think, um, and when I say we, I mean Brian McKenzie, who is the co-founder of Art of Breath and founded Power Speed Endurance and CrossFit Endurance way back in the day. You know, Brian's been a thought leader in human performance for a long time. And when we look at things, we look at our sort of philosophy around it is very similar. And that is looking to principles and common denominators rather than what's different. So on the surface, the needs of uh, a high-level executive, an Olympic sprinter, uh, a power lifter, a weekend warrior who runs for fun, and a diabetic, those might look extraordinarily different. And to some degree, they are. Mm -hmm. But there are some things that are sort of in the center that are underlying principles that have to be addressed just because the group or the smaller population you're talking about ultimately belong to the human family. And at the center of that, we find breathing. Because no matter what you're doing, whether it's you're in a hospital or you're on the far end of the spectrum for sport, you have to breathe. Nobody can say, um, you know, like when I talk to sport coaches, I'm like, nobody in this room can say, well, my athletes don't breathe, (laughs) right? It's ridiculous. Everybody has to do it. And if we can deepen our understanding of how to breathe, Mm -hmm. then it actually becomes this tremendously powerful tool that we have with us all the time, right? Because we're already breathing anyway, so why not manipulate it first, right? It's a, it's the lowest common denominator, and its effects stretch across the entire breadth uh, of human experience because it's so fundamental to life. So that's sort of our our basic philosophy and why we started focusing on breath work um, because we like to get down to like what is the sort of essence of something that can make the broadest change for the biggest group of people, you know, is this universal? Is this scalable? Can I, can I use it for an individual? Can I teach it to a large group? Um, to me, that's what makes something a a universal principle. Uh, and, and that to that note, that's why we were asked to Altus, um, was because we were thinking in these sort of universal patterns. And and that's a theme at Altus as well as they, they try to think in, uh, bigger picture, universal principle and then boil those concepts down to uh individuals or small groups of individuals mm-hmm. well what, what comes to mind i think it's methods are many and, and principles are few and i think that's what you guys certainly stand for i've heard that a couple different times through your channels and what really stood out for me both in researching it prior to the art of breath cert and then while i was down there was truly the amount of performance that's right now left on the table because people have no idea how to breathe properly and beyond that the biggest thing for me was holy smokes i can predict what my activity is going to be and i can influence my performance in that and then i can also predict what i'm going to need for my recovery and if i have a strategy for those states i can attack it a little bit sooner and therefore i can be ready to get into the action again and i'll bring that back and i'd love to you for you to explain this because when i try to explain it, i usually confuse people but the bora factor the relationship of oxygen and, and co2 you guys are really focusing on the stress response of carbon dioxide can you kind of bring that into a, a layman's terms and ex- explain that as, as how you explained it to me in the art of breath sure and and, and i think you know 
just to keep it really simple, it's making things that are normally subconscious conscious, right? So for the most part, the causes and effects that drive our physiology are largely below our conscious level of awareness, right? If I had to think about every breath I took, or if I had to consciously regulate my blood pressure or the rate that my heart was beating, I would get very little else done. It wouldn't make me a very productive human because I'd have to drive a lot of attention towards the myriad of physiological activities that are happening at every instant of my day just in order to stay alive, right? That's not a very uh, useful or efficient uh, way to to divert time or attention, right? And, and the reality is, if that was the case, probably humans wouldn't have survived very long, right? <laughs> if we had to effectively, uh, consciously navigate those processes. However, the other thing that happens is that some when this when these systems operate in air or um, we're not paying close enough attention, the tail begins to wag the dog, right? And so one of the, th the themes that has sort of emerged here is that our physiology and our, our mental state are intimately connected and they are not, they are self-regulating, but they're not self-optimizing, right? So my physiology will regulate itself. If I decide to run up a flight of stairs, even if I'm in good shape, I don't have to send a message to my heart consciously to pump blood faster or for me to breathe at a different rate that ultimately gets oxygen into the system, right? But it's not self-optimizing. So it will just deal with the stress in whatever way it has available right this minute because evolutionarily, most of our processes are completely based around the idea of surviving events long enough to procreate, right? That's the basic biology of the human being is live long enough to make a new you, right? That's what drives all of biology. So the reality is though that the lives that we lead now, there are stimuli and criteria that fall far outside of what is natural in the biological order of things. And because we're putting direct types of input into the system, whether they're deemed as positive, like fitness or sport, or they're seen as negative, like psycho-emotional stress, that those ultimately are linked to processes that are very, very old in the human system, the human body, and our reactions to those are based on our requirement to survive and breed. Yeah. However, right, so... So if we take those ideas and we go, but wait a second, I'm just fitnessing right now, whatever that means for you, whether you're a kettlebell person or you do CrossFit or you're a runner or recreational golfer, there are demands of that sport or activity. If you know what they are, regardless of whether you're conscious of it or not, you must breathe. Well, if I want to optimize my outcome from that, I can use my breathing the same as let's say I'm a golfer. Well, if I go to the driving range and I've never played golf before, I can swing the club and hit the ball some, but it, I won't be able to predict very well what direction the ball goes. Right. But if I then introduce the idea of technique, what's the purpose of a technique? 
it's for me to be able to more predictably understand the potential outcome from a given effort, right? So then I, if I have a technique, I can go, all right, well, I'm using whatever, a five iron, and if I stand this certain way, and I know I'm supposed to swing my hips this way, and then when I contact the ball, my hand should be pointing this direction, then I know which way the ball is going to go, and I can optimize the game. I can play better, which means what? I have more fun, right? I actually get what I want out of participating. Well, if I have the same thing for my breath, right, I could just swing the club, which means I could just breathe however I want, and things will still get done. But if I learn how to swing the club, then I know what direction the ball is going to go. And that's the idea behind using our breath, right, is that so I'm not just swinging hoping that things go the way I want, but I'm becoming a conscious participant. It's, it's not any different than anything that humans have developed a way of doing. And that's what makes humans so powerful anyway, right? Is that yeah. I can transmit information to others so well because we have language and, and we have sort of standards of operation and procedures. So if I have a child and I know how to read, I could teach any child how to read. You could teach any child how to read, Right. If a child just stares at a book long enough, they might gain some context around the meaning of that paper. Maybe if there's some pictures or something like that. But if you teach them, it happens faster. And this is the same thing with the art of breath. Is we're sort of taking some principles and going, okay, yeah, are you going to breathe anyway? Of course. But let's show you how to do it so you can optimize outcomes that you desire, whether that's for health, or fitness, or whether you're an elite athlete. And then the other component here is, I hope I'm not running on too much. No, you're, you're going for okay. it. I mean, I'm trying to sneak, sneak in yeah. as much information as possible, so keep it rolling. <laughs> okay. So then the other component is, you know, that this isn't new. So some people are like, oh, breath, right? But human beings have been manipulating breath in a variety of practices for thousands of years, right? We look at yogic traditions. We look at uh, Eastern Buddhist traditions, Ayurvedic medicine. We look at the Russian um, Orthodox monks have a breath style. Uh, there's, in more modern context, we have rock climbing, mountain climbing, mountaineering. We have um, people who train to go to altitude in aircraft. We have free diving. There's a lot of it, right? But the problem is that often these are in their own separate silos. And those communities don't talk to each other because they think free diving, air works one way. And if you're doing yoga, it works another way. And so what we tried to do with the art of breath was create a universal lexicon so that it doesn't matter whether you're a free diver or you're in the military or you're a stay-at-home mom or whatever, that you understand that this is a fundamental part of your being as a human and that if you learn how to manipulate it, you can change your life, regardless of what your goal is, because it's at the absolute center of everything you do. For sure, for sure. And what what really hits home there with me and, and when I was attending and learning, I, I really wanted a solution. And so I went there thinking, oh, it's going to be a, a one, two, three, and then I pause and this and that, and then I'm just going to know how to breathe. And what I found out pretty quickly is I, I needed a massive amount of understanding of myself and and how to apply things to me and how my unique 
imprint is then impacted by certain things. And so it took me about 20, I'd like to say 48 hours to all of a sudden like take ownership, be like, holy smokes, I need to understand more about myself. I can't just outsource this and all of a sudden I'm going to be breathing right. And, and all of a sudden it, there's this empowerment. Like I'm not as present as I can possibly be in all of my situations because I, in fact, don't understand how breathing impacts my life. Totally. And it's at the center of every moment. Everything. Every moment you're doing it, but most of us have no idea that it's happening at all. And, um, and that's okay for the most part. Like, like I said, you don't want to be going through your whole day only thinking about breathing because that's sort of a self-centered existence. But then on the other end of the spectrum, if you have no awareness over it, you can't learn anything from it, right? So it's kind of funny. So just to touch back on this experience at Altus, a really interesting thing is so that we were there to do what's called the Apprentice Coaches Program. So um, I, I don't know if it's every month or not, but for most months of the year, guest coaches pay to come and learn at Altus for a week long. And that's who we were instructing, Brian and I, while we were there. And one of the evolutions that we took them through um, is similar to what we do at the Art of Breath course, where we basically teach them some breath manipulation for use during training session. Now, the point here, though, is during the warm-up, I put these really specific criteria on a very basic warm-up, which, uh, which, was, which was just they did some walking with slight breath holds, right, which we've done before, and then a very specific breath pattern doing squats with their body weight and dive bomber style push-ups. So if somebody isn't familiar with that, it's basically like a down dog and then where you scoop through and push your hips towards the floor into an up dog. So two very, very simple positions, but I gave them some criteria. One was that they're only allowed to breathe with their nose. And two was the amount of breaths per movement. One breath per squat, so in on the way down, out on the way up. And two breaths per dive bomber. In, then out. Out, then in. As they go back. So there was a transition because of the dive bombers, right? And so we just did three sets, a handful of reps each. Nothing, no big deal. And afterwards I said, what did you guys notice? And the first thing that they said was, we really had to concentrate. We really had to concentrate. And I said, so what's the value there? And they're like, well, nose this, da, da, da. And I'm like, well, yeah, there's the physiology around breathing with the nose, which is cool stuff, and we could talk about it. Yeah. But what was really cool is it immediately required everyone to become present. And so normally when people do a warm-up or when they're moving in a training environment, if they don't have some immediate value attached to the training evolution, they dissociate. And so they're not gleaning as much information from, from that training environment, whether it's a fitness environment or a sport environment or whatever, as they could. And if you just tell people, hey, focus, their first thing is to resist that and to further check out. But if you create parameters, then they have no choice, right? Hey, breathe through your nose in this way. Man, I really had to concentrate. So now they were concentrating, and a lot of them noticed things about their body that they hadn't noticed before. Now, does this like is is this some like genius new invention? No, yoga and qigong and all these and martial arts have been doing this forever. 
But the problem is that the way it's communicated doesn't transfer it to a modern context. And it makes it very hard to create buy-in with people who are living now and who've been brought up now. So that's our, our goal is to sort of take these old ideas and merge them with new technology, new research and science, and then translate this information into a way that's palatable for a broad scope of people so that it's actually usable, yeah. right? And so you, you guys have done a great job of that. And I think you guys have an app that's coming out at some point in time in 2018. Uh, but you guys are really going ahead with this and I full support because I believe that it can impact so many different populations. Like we're just not talking about performance here. We're talking about anybody who's got anxiety, depression, any type of issue where they need to just be a little bit more present and i'll share an example i was coaching some u13 girls yesterday and as a part of the warm-up we just did some nasal breathing two in two out and the amount of young girls that were breathing they had no idea how to breathe into their bellies they only were able to breathe up with their shoulders but the current positions in our environments are so a stressful, but be the positions that we're in are forcing us to breathe in a way that, that causes this increase in energy or sympathetic or fight or flight. All these little girls are just like literally at a hundred percent and they're having so much, so many problems focusing. So the nasal breathing, which we'll dive into, it was so great because inherently you ask a bunch of girls to breathe in and out through their nose. Guess what happens? Two things. They focus and they can't, communicate to each other so they can't talk exactly yeah <laughs> so all of a sudden now you just took a group of people that were not focused were flying off the handle and literally within 30 seconds of, of teaching them how to belly breathe they all chilled out and they had an incredible hour uh, of movement education that you know they very easily could have checked out on so can you talk to me a little bit more about why we nasal breathe within the practice of art of breath Yes. Yeah, so with, so here's the thing. This is a question I get a lot and I found one of the easiest ways to, to answer it is to pose another question. Do you run with your feet? <laughs> yes. Most of of course, <laughs> of course you run with your feet, right? Nobody would argue that, right? Because it's the part of your body so obviously designed for that purpose. But people become very resistant to this idea of like only breathing with their nose often. And the reason is because it's harder mm -hmm. at first, right? Because we're so used to flapping our mouths open. And some of that has to do with mechanical issues, right? We don't really know how to use our bodies properly anymore. There's all kinds of poor movement inputs that are getting, that are agitating our biomechanical system. Um, but, you know, your nose is the structure designed by nature for you to mostly breathe through. That's not my opinion, right? It's, it's just like ears are for hearing because they have the structures that can manipulate sound waves into something that your brain can then convert into an idea that you understand, right? So when we take air in, one, your nose has hair. There's, that's not there for your spouse to make fun of, right? Although that is one useful idea, right? It's, it's because it filters particles, right? That's what the purpose of hair in your nose is to filter particles. 
that's really important because otherwise that stuff goes into your lungs, right? So that's no good. Two, we warm the air. The temperature that air is when it goes into your lungs is extremely important because it actually can alter the rate of diffusion, meaning how much oxygen potentially goes into your bloodstream. Three, your sinuses are there, right? So your sinuses not only warm and warm the air, but they moisten the air. So humidity is a factor in diffusion into the bloodstream. We have T cells that get released from the sinuses and the mucus, right? So we have immune function and it's innervated by the vagus nerve. And that's a really important idea because those structures in your nasal cavity that are innervated by the vagus nerve basically increase parasympathetic tone. And what's that, what that means is it pushes you away from a higher state of arousal or away from fight freeze responses. Now that doesn't mean if you breathe through your nose, there's no chance you'll go into fight or freeze, right? It just means that your overall tendency towards that energy is lessened further by breathing through your nose. So then just I'll give everybody a little experiment. The next time you're having social discord with somebody, you're having a disagreement or an argument, take five breaths through your nose and see if, see if you're just as upset when you started as when you're done. And I would bet not right. So because your physiology doesn't allow for it, not only because of what's happening inside the nasal cavity itself, but also because, you know, there's a breath center, um, on the brainstem that basically says when you breathe purposefully and slowly like that, everything's cool. This isn't really an emergency. So you can grab the reins on that system. And actually with the other, um, organization I work with, uh, with Brian McKenzie and uh, Dr. Andrew Huberman. It's called State, and State is all about using uh, non-meditative technologies in order to to grab a hold of this fight, or excuse me, this flight freeze response to basically control your arousal state um, using basic physiological tools like breath, and then we also use um, some vision-based tools as well. I in my movement practice have really taken to breathing only through the nose within my warm up and, and movement flows and also even deadlifting and some circuit training and um, rowing machine. And it's devastating, but at the same time at the start, it's really hard. And then as your body starts to warm up and you start to use the air a little bit differently, there's this beautiful response that happens and the amount of, control I have over my brain and, and the stimulation after for just thought and creative ideas is amazing. Like it really has shown up in, in my life. So it's, it's an incredible yeah, and, tool. And you know, the, one of the ways that I like to put it is, so, you know, nasal breathing is important. And then inside nasal breathing, there's a lot of available patterns. There's tempos, rhythms, and speeds. And so, um, it's not to say that you should never breathe with your mouth. There will be times when you have to breathe through your mouth. If you're a swimmer and you're in the pool, you're going to have to inhale with your mouth. There's just there, there are environmental criteria that will change that on occasion. But you should primarily 
be breathing with your nose. Just like, you know, when you taste food, your ability to smell has an enormous effect on being able to taste well. On the surface, the needs of uh, a high-level executive, an Olympic sprinter, uh, a power lifter, a weekend warrior who runs for fun, and a diabetic, those might look extraordinarily different. And to some degree, they are. Mm -hmm. But there are some things that are sort of in the center that are underlying principles that have to be addressed just because the group or the smaller population you're talking about ultimately belong to the human family. And at the center of that, we find breathing. You're developing a palate, but you shouldn't shove food in your nose any more than you should breathe with your mouth all the time, right? So, um, but, but ultimately what we're talking about is basically going from driving an automatic transmission to a manual. So I can decide now what gear I'm in, specifically in a you know, sports conditioning context. Um, what happens is a lot of times athletes, when, when they're talking about you know, energy system development, whether we're talking about more endurance end of the range or more power end of the range, the thing that athletes and coaches use to dictate what end of the spectrum they're in most is time. But your body doesn't work in time, it works in chemistry. So if we manipulate the chemistry, now I can decide which energy system I'm using because I'm manipulating the chemistry. And the easiest way to manipulate that is with your breathing. No question. It's the primary regular of all chemistry in the human organism is breathing. That's, and that, again, is not my opinion. That is an absolute physiological fact. Beautiful. Well, what I'm getting from this, and, and we got, let's just say, three minutes left, so we'll, we'll wrap it up in a way that, that really excites people for what you got going on. You know, it's about taking control of yourself, whether you're in a performance state, whether you're at home with the kids, whether you're at a board meeting, whether you have to pull an all-nighter and, and, and deliver something, regardless of what that is, there, there is a tool that I believe we are all missing out on to increase performance or increase being present or just ground ourselves in de-stress, which we're living in this incredibly stressful environment that's really escalating. We have this and we don't really know how to use it. So I'm so excited about what you guys have going on within the art of breath. And, you know, for all populations, I think there's so much to be learned. So if there's a single teaser that you can give to our listeners, love to have a little something that people could try out. Sure. Simple. For the next week or two, in all of your warm-ups, just start with warm-ups. Breathe with your nose only. Especially warm-ups that you use consistently and see how it changes. And once you, do, you get past that, another week where all of your workouts are nasal only. That's a very simple way to start to enhance your breath practice. And, and I think what you'll notice is how much more attentive and aware you are. And then how, how rapidly your conditioning, your cardiovascular conditioning gets better. And, um, uh, and that's a very simple thing to do. And then if I could add one more. Yeah, by all means. In situations where you're stressed, just bring your awareness to it. Don't even try to use a fancy way to change it. Just start noticing it. Mm -hmm. Love that. Well, it sounds, sounds to me like I need to 
activate an idea I've been sitting on since the Art of Breath seminar, which is shut your mouth. And and so start a little, you know, I'm not a huge fan of challenges because everyone needs to buy in on their own terms. So in no way is this about me or, or anything else other than you taking control of yourself. But shut your mouth when you're training and see what happens. Absolutely. <laughs> strong, strong work. It's strong work. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, we're going to get you up to Toronto in August. We'll work on that up here. But but for now, keep on doing what you're doing. Uh, let me know on any updates as they roll through. Looking forward to that app as it comes out to help people take ownership of these amazing tools. And uh, where can people find you on the internets? Okay, so I got a, I got a couple. So I'm uh, on Instagram at prepare to perform. Um, people can find us at Power Speed Endurance for more information about programs and seminars that we have coming up. Uh, and then another good uh, site for us is OptimizeState.com, right? And they can find out about the app that's coming out uh, next month. I believe it'll it'll be out. And you can look at at Optimize State on Instagram as well. And then also follow my compadre brian mckenzie at i am unscared he's the co-founder of art of breath among many many other amazing projects and ideas so um, those are the, the awesome and easiest ways to get a hold of us or to see what we're up to Love it. Well, thank you so much. You guys do a great job of really disseminating this information and making it available. And um, truly, mad respect for what you guys are up to. And can't wait to jam in the future, buddy. Awesome. Thanks, Martin. Appreciate you. Yeah, my pleasure, Rob. I appreciate you as well. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to episode number three with Rob Wilson. The guy's got so much great information and his socials are teeming with updated protocols and ways to improve your performance through breath. Also, let me know what you thought of the episode. I'd love to hear from you at offballathlete or at Martin J. Reader on Instagram. We're just getting the offball podcast up and running. So your feedback and your ratings are so important to making sure that this podcast is heard. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.